Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jonathan Pierce. The mad side of genius. Terry Alderton. <laughs> <laughs> the football friendly. Hello, everybody. Welcome to JPNT, the football friendly. It's a bit of a somber week for us this week, isn't it, Terry? Well, it's horrible, isn't it? I mean, Francis Lee went last week and then all of a sudden, oh... I mean, the sad thing was with uh, with Mr. Uh, Mr. Chartman, it was always on the cards there, wasn't it? And um, with the dementia and what have you. But then, you know, it's one of those things when someone then does pass on, you're like, oh, right. It's, it, I couldn't believe it when I got the, the, the uh, my son text me. I was like, you've got to be kidding. It's a horrible feeling. Horrible yes, feeling. Very, that's very right. sad. I mean, we, we've known since November 2020 that he'd been diagnosed with dementia, but um, he, he withdrew from public life. But even then, you know, there was a dignity about his last three years um, and and um, a grace about everything he did. You know, he, he died on, on October the 21st, 86 years of age. And and obviously we send our best wishes out to him. Mm. The, the Charlton family and also the, the the greater Charlton family, which is all football fans, I think. You saw at the weekend the reaction, um, his, his death um, was, you know, the reaction to his death from football fans, um, where there was a minute's uh, silence, there was a minute's applause. Mm-hmm. Um, people were singing, there's only one Bobby Charlton at the Villa West Ham game. And, it, and it's true, you know. I was lucky enough to meet him on a, a number of occasions. I, 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 you know, I won't say I knew him well because I didn't. I met him when I was with Bobby Moore on a few occasions. Um, he was a quiet man. He was a humble man, very, um, uh, very dignified in in everything he did. And he was he was a bridge, Terry, for me um, between, um, if you like, the Munich air crash era. Uh, and more on that in a minute, and and then the TV era mm. uh, that came in in the in the seventies, the glitz and glamour era that that followed. Bobby was really the bridge, I think, for that. He's you know it, there aren't many stellar names left from that period of the game, um, and and now we only have one left from sixty six. Of course, he was known for his exploits in in the World Cup final, quite rightly so, because he played a huge role um, in England. Winning that competition uh, in, in 
in Port uh, in the semi final against P- Portugal. He opened the scoring lovely goal from a Roger Hunt run, um, and and the second was a, f- a fantastic shot from the Jeff Hurst pullback. Um, but you know, you 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 think of his role that he played against Argentina, where uh, things went wrong on the pitch. It was one of only two, two, two cautions in, yeah. in his game in his, in his life, you know. But he played a big role in that, in not letting England be steamrolled by the events that were happening off the ball, if you like. Uh, and and uh, you know, though he, he didn't have a wonderful World Cup final in 1966, you know, he he and Beckenbauer sort of marked each other out the game. He was just a legend in that side. He was he was a pillar of the side. He'd come through from '62, the World Cup in '62, um, and I, and I don't think really up until then there had been attacking midfield players like him. Hmm. Um, he sort of broke the mold in that he became a link between the centre forward and the and the core of the midfield, if you like. He he he, he broke the mold as an attacking midfield player. He was a wonderful football player. You know, 1966 European Cup final. We'll remember that, which was a decade on from the from the Munich air crash, and and what a role he played in that in that game for Manchester United, which was absolutely sensational. And the the, the flicked header, everyone remembers. You know, the image of that, and and it was such a highly emotional night. Um, and as United's captain, he lifted that trophy that meant so much to the football club to the environment, to the city of Manchester as well. This is this is a player who was Footballer of the Year, who was European Footballer of the Year, who won the Ballon d'Or. You know, few British players have won mm, the Ballon yeah, d'Or. People correct. seem to forget that Bobby did, but he mm. did. And all this, you know, was after the, the Munich air crash when, I, I don't know if you know uh, the, the situation, Terry, but... They were so nervous of the flight because it it did uh, a couple of uh, takeoff attempts at Munich had gone wrong. The players were getting more and more nervous. Mm. So um, he and Dennis Violet swapped places with Tommy Taylor and David Pegg. They thought it would be safe at the back of the plane. Right. The plane crashed. Um, Tommy and David Pegg were killed, and, and um, Bobby and Dennis Violet were, were pulled out by Harry Gregg, the goalkeeper, and he thought they were dead. You know, he 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 pulled them up. He thought they were dead. And he went back to rescue other players. He got back out, and and they were they were walking around. And, and Bobby only suffered cuts to his head, shock, but the bruise to his heart. I think lasted mm. the rest of his life. And he carried yeah. that with him. He carried the memory of those teammates who who who, who he lost. And you, that was so evident in '68. You know, that was the first game, Terry. I was allowed to stay up and watch in midweek. It was a school night, and um, and I remember watching it and. Um, you know, as I say, he was a bridge between the eras. Um, you know, he played such a role at Manchester United after after he retired as a football player. Um, he wasn't a great manager. You, you know that he, he was manager at Preston North End. Mm. So few of those 66 team mates were successful managers. It's weird, that, isn't it? But um, he just carried on serving Manchester United as an ambassador and what an ambassador he was. He kept picking up awards throughout his career, uh, throughout his life, I should say. He kept working for charities, cancer charities. I know that um, he, he worked for Landmine Clearance and one or two other charities. He was, he was just, he, he, he was Sir Bobby Charlton. I can't, you know, I still feel very emotional about it because he legend is a thing that's thrown around too often. Mm. And um, he was a giant of a, a giant of a football man. 
And, you know, we, we, we lose people in the game. Of course, that, that era of players coming to the end now. But there's this, you know, it's, it's having the same effect, I think, on football supporters as the death of Bobby Moore had. Because these, these were meaningful men who strode outside the football pitch as Colossus. And um, he he... He just he had, he was like you know Muhammad Ali had that effect on work on the world of sport hmm. and and the other and the other world you know the the rest of the world outside of boxing and I think Bobby had that effect both Bobbies Moore and Charlton they they were um, you know they had this effect on the world and uh, I was listening to Tim Vickery the South American football expert um, on Talk Sport the other day and he was saying that it's had a big effect his death in Brazil. Um, because Brazil always thought the game against England in 1970, which w- was the game that won them the World Cup, mm. because it meant they had an easier draw through to the final, and 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 they, you know it so happened that every team they then played had been knackered by the previous game they'd had to play. But Brazil always turn around and say that was the game that won us the World Cup, the game against England, and Charlton was held in such reverence in Brazil and around the world, and you know Sir Bobby Charlton just massive. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he. I mean, you, you, whether you believe this or not, but he played six hundred and six games for Manchester United, scoring one hundred ninety nine goals. That's and just they, league, Terry. That's yeah, just league. That's just league. And here is yeah, the other thing you, about you, that: just seven hundred and fifty eight in all, two hundred and forty nine goals in all. Well, there you go. Thanks for that. And guess what? All played on a potato field and played yeah. with those balls that. And unless you of our generation, I just remember the heavy, heavy leather wet ball and the way he could smash that ball or move that ball around. It was, uh, it was obviously to his detriment in the end, that big heavy ball, because obviously the heading and all that of those balls have caused a lot of problems with a lot of people. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, Sadly, there's not enough footage of that generation either, is there? You know, uh, I've gone on YouTube and looked a lot of his stuff up, but there's a just little sort of clips of stuff and whatever. You, but what a player! What a what a, the only other player I can think was like that was Jimmy Greaves as well. They were they were kind of futuristic players. They played a bit like we play now, whereas everyone else was just knocking and moving and getting stuck in mud. But they seem to have this way, especially when Bestie came along from Man United as well, the, the the interplay between the two of them on the clips that I've seen was just stupid. Yeah, when when he, um, it's well known that Sir Bobby didn't really understand George, didn't really understand George's way of life and um, the, the, the whole George Best shtick, if you like. Hmm. Um, you know, I knew I knew George much better than I knew um, Sir Bobby. And, yeah, um, yeah I, I did a, quite a few things with George. He was great fun. Yeah, he was. I mean, he had his demons. We all know that. But, yeah. um, you know, and uh, t- together on the football field, they're wonderful. People say, well, yeah, but, he, you know, they wouldn't have worked in the modern era. Yes, they would, because the great players would have had the benefits of the training facilities, the nutritional guidance, the physiotherapy, the medical backup that they have now. And therefore, they would have been fitter. They would have been able to cope with the modern athleticism of the game. Great players. Would, would, great players would be great players in any era. And, um, you know, this was a man who was recognised for his work off the field, of played knighthood, as I say, uh, mm. the English Hall of Fame, worked for bids for the Olympics and so on. And I think he was part of the 2012 Olympic bid as well. Um, there was also the era where you could literally, br- no, not break your leg, but hobble off, have five minutes on the bench and come back on again. I mean, there was no subs. You could come back on, couldn't you? 
Yeah, well, there, there weren't any subs. That's right. You know? There was no subs then. So people, you, we, when you were saying about, about fitness people, and stuff, they, yeah. they had to get on with it. I know. People talk about, you know, who were the substitutes in the 1966 World Cup final. There weren't any. There weren't. Um, so it was – It was. he uh, He worked very, very closely, I think, with Sir Ralph Ramsey. Not that any player was ever really allowed to get close to Sir Ralph. I think probably Bobby Charlton was the closest to him. Um Closer than Bobby Moore, I think. Um, he had the record number of caps until Bobby Moore uh, overtook him and, and, and another player subsequently, of course. And where does he lie? Um, in the pantheon of great England midfield players. People were saying the other day, was he the greatest English footballer that's ever existed? Well, that, that of course, is open to debate because there have been so many great footballers. I would put him right up there. I would no, put him no, right. He would be, he's always totally. been, Terry, he's always been in my England 11. When people said, who's your England midfield? I've always had Bobby Charlton in there. People have gone, why? You can't have Bobby Charlton from a different era. Well, I saw him play. I was lucky enough to see him. I went to Eastfield when Bristol Rovers played Manchester United in a, in a League Cup tie. Um, you know, a Bristol City person, but I went to Eastfield to watch them because Manchester United brought a strong team down then to see those giants of the game. Mm. You know, he, he, uh, even, if, even if it wasn't the Rovers, then it was just something that we'll always remember. I'll, I'll always remember, you know, I was lucky enough to see him play for his country and um, he would be in that. He, he, you know, we'll, another day on the, on the podcast, we'll do probably our all time England 11s is a good idea. Yeah. Um, but he would be in there. He would be, yeah. you know, he would be an, an England attacking midfield player off the left-hand side. And, um, and I, I just think he's he's right up there, not just with the best of England of all time, but one of the world's greatest players of all time. I really yeah, think. I didn't realise his uh, his uncles <laughs> were Jackie Milburn, George Milburn, weren't they? Jim Milburn and Stan Milburn. That's I mean, right. what, what a family that was as well. Yeah, and um, you know, this was this, the classic era when they they said, you know, in the northeast, you just had to shout down a mine shaft and a footballer would come up. Well, that was the, that was the truth with his brother. Jack Jack was yeah. a, Jack was yeah. a miner, and Bobby Charlton was a, an electrician. I think I think his mum made him do an um, apprenticeship um, because she she wasn't sure that it would work for him as a as a footballer. Um, so I, I think he was a, an apprentice electrician for a little while, um, uh, something like that. Anyway, electrical engineer, or uh, he was an electrical engineer, Terry. I know that because my dad was by trade. And I remember him telling me about you know about Sir Bobby Charlton being an electrical engineer and and I should make sure that I had something to fall back on if I didn't make as a footballer, which I didn't. Um, and but that's, so that's how I knew. Yeah, he was an electrical engineer, uh, Sir Bob. But um, you know they they had, they had wonderful football in their in their pedigree, if you like, and they came from a wonderful footballing area mm. uh, from up there in in Ashington in Northumberland. And I think he never forgot those. Humble backgrounds. There was a split between him and um, Jackie that lasted a a, a long time. Um, well, I'm not going to go into that really because uh, I, did, I I I don't know all the truth of it. It was uh, you know something to do with his mum and and uh, and I think uh, his wife. But um, anyway, you know that 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 was sad, but nothing as much as the sadness of his loss. You know, mm. and it is. It's it's strange, isn't it? So I don't know. As, as life goes on and we do get older and. You know these these heroes of ours, whether it be in football or cricket or film and TV, are coming to an end. And and uh, it, it, I I I I don't deal with the sadness of it all very well. No, no, 
It well, is. I, it, I think we should get used to. Yeah. Get more inured, you know, immune to it. But it's very difficult when someone who was, you know, when you first collected Sucker Stars stickers for the albums, Bobby was there. I've still got my first one from the 68, 69, <laughs> 70 era, and he's in there, you know. And, um, you know, the, the, the coins, the World Cup coins and all these things, Bobby was in there. And so he's, he's like a massive hero of mine and many people of our era when we were young kids. Yeah, when you, go, when you when you go to Man- Manchester uh, to do commentaries, would you uh, would you bump into him then? Because he was always around, wasn't he? No, not really. I might see him in the distance. Um, I might, you know, he might have come up the tunnel at the end. Very, very rarely that happened. I, I can't really remember it, but he might, you know, might say hello. But that would that would be it, really. Um, at, at football functions, once or twice. Had conversations, um, short conversation, but it would normally be when I was with Bobby Moore, um, you know. And to be honest, Terry, that must be so mad. Bobby, so Bobby Charles with those two to speak, together, he wanted to speak to Bobby Moore. He didn't want to speak to me. No, I get that. <laughs> I've been in those. So, I've been privy to that. I, I was, I was, I was. You know, I have to. I didn't know him well at all, and I'm not going to pretend that I did. I, I knew Jackie better because I worked with Jack uh, on right. a telly. Um, and when I was covering Ireland in the 1994 World Cup finals, I got fairly close to Jack then. That's where it started with him. Um, and well, in 1990, the World Cup finals in Italy, you know, I was lucky enough to be allowed into the Italian, the Irish team hotel only because Bobby Moore was working with me. Yeah. And we used to sit, like I said before on the podcast, with used to sit in the Irish players bar down there in the hotel. Uh, between Jack, I used to sit between Jack and Bobby. Um, well, I mean, my god, you know, Bobby Moore, that is, and it was like I was like a kid on Christmas Day, and Jack would get <laughs> uh, um, Morris Setters, who is his sort of number two. He said, Go, Morris, go up and get the drinks, and Morris would go up and get the drinks, and he'd just sit there, you know, and the players were off on the other side of the bar, just looking across and looking at Jack and looking at Bobby Moore and looking mm. at this thing sitting between the two of them, going, you know. Who the hell is he? No, I don't think they'd be going. That's Jonathan Pierce. <laughs> but I knew Jack better than Bob. Bobby. It's just, um, you know, when you if I think of Manchester United, and people say, "What about what about Sir Alex's team?" You know, do you think of Keane and Beckham and all these things? No, when I think Manchester United, and when you go up there, you, the first thing you see is the statue of the three of them. I think best Charlton law. That, that's the Manchester United I first think of. Because that's the Manchester United that I grew up watching on television on match of the day when there was only ever one game on, really. Um, and if we moved, up, if we went up to see relatives in London, the big match would be on with Brian Moore, and you'd see more games from top level. Because down at HTV Land in Bristol, we'd have Bristol City, Bristol Rose, Cardiff, and Swansea, and so on. Um, and you'd see you'd see that Manchester United team, and it was you know Paddy Crerand in midfield, and 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 Alex Stepney in goal, and, and all these players, and Brian Young, Brian Kidd, and oh, goodness me, and um, so they were they were sort of pin up pin up boys, weren't they for our generation? And Georgie, everyone loved, everyone wanted to be Georgie best. Again, when I was when I if we were ever playing out in the park, and you know we were playing cup tie football, and one team would be. Arsenal, one team, maybe Manchester United, whatever. Then I, I wouldn't be any of them. I'd be Paddy Crerand, um, because that's that's the sort of football I wanted to be. Um, you know, I wasn't graced with ability to be Georgie Best or Bobby Charlton. Few were. <laughs> I would always be the hatchet man in midfield because that's sort of what I was. What I was. But um, 
anyway, there you are. He he was everyone else wanted to be Bobby Charlton. And, yeah, Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bobby Charlton. He he was a lot shorter than I always think because you always see him on the telly. Always everyone looks bigger on the telly, doesn't they? But I I just didn't realise he was only five eight. I th- Jackie yeah. was a lot bigger then. Jackie was a big boy, wasn't he? Well, J- Jackie was a giant, and he had his huge neck. Uh, you know, he, Jackie was. Like, I mean, I remember going up from Cornwall to watch Leeds United. My dad got friendly over the years with Don Revie, and we went up there, and, and uh, an uncle got us tickets, and we stood at the Revie end. Um, and the sort of cop end, if you like, of, of Ellen Road, and uh, watched them play. That's the first time I saw um, Jack play live, I think, and that was against Derby. It was 3 0, and he strode up the pitch in about 10 strides. <laughs> and Jack was, uh, and scored that day, I seem to remember. Um, they won 3 0, and, um, yeah, he, he was a, he was a giant of a man, but he was, um, it's a lovely story about the Football Writers Association Football of the Year Award uh, one year. And um, Jack presented the 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 trophy to the winner that year. And he, he was looking around. And, uh, and and back in the day, they had pictures of all the previous winners going all the way back um, to Sir Stanley Matthews, the first winner in the 50s, all around black and white pictures, all around the room hung up. And Jack looked around and he's gone, uh, I can't believe it. He said, look at all these previous winners here and uh, so and so and so and so. And he said, there's our kid. There's our kid. Hmm. And so he referred to his brother and he said, hmm. he said, and there, there am I. And he said, and he said, I can't understand why my picture's up on the wall here because I couldn't play the game. <laughs> he was so, you know, he's brilliant. Uh, and, uh, you he know, he, play he was, the game. <laughs> yeah, he, he was that. so, and he, he told another story that day, uh, Big Jack, um, but when they were flying back from Mexico uh, in the World Cup finals in 1970, and um, someone's trying to sell him a bracelet. No, he was. Uh, he he decided that was going to be it. You know, he, he decided that that was the end of his work. He played thirty. He only played thirty-five times for England. Um, Jack Charlton, and um, anyway, Sir Ralph's sitting at the back of the plane, and uh, Jack's thinking, right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna this is it. I'm gonna retire now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell. But they were so in awe of Sir Alf, he didn't know how to tell him, and um, he, he hadn't. He he only played the one game in nineteen seventy, I think, against Czechoslovakia. Anyway, so he, he didn't. He, he didn't know. He 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 didn't know how to tell him. So as he's telling this story, the football writers, he's, I don't know. And then the pilot comes on and says, "Fashion seatbelts are coming into Heathrow tonight." So he goes back to Sir Ralph, and Sir Ralph's reading the newspaper at the back, glasses on and everything. And he, he, he's, he oh, great times, Alf, absolute privilege, getting old, I'm slowing down. I don't know, you know, I, 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 don't know how to, I don't know how to tell you. I think it's time for me to retire. And Sir Ralph <laughs> looked over the newspaper, <laughs> dropped his glasses, and turned around to Jack and said, so do I. <laughs> and that was it, you know. There was it. There was no. Uh, there was no. There was no great <laughs> emotional scene. But that was that was Jackie all over. And did you um, uh, did you ever watch the two of them play against each other? Not live. I saw. I would have seen it on the telly. Um, was there no love lost on the pitch? Because I don't. It's not really. It's just a little bit before my time. Believe it or not. I, well, I don't think there would have been only because they were playing Leeds United and Manchester United. That's and what no I'm getting. Arsenal given, but. Um, I don't know if 
uh, Bobby played in that game early seventies when Manchester United they were on match of the day back to back and they they romped it against Southampton one week and Manchester United the next or a couple of weeks later whatever it was and they were playing outrageously good football leagues keeping possession like twenty thirty passes in a row hadn't been seen before in English mm. football that and uh, Bobby might have played it at that time but um, you know he, he won he won everything he could at Manchester United back at that time um, you know the major the major competitions the cup the league the Euro European Cup. He was just um he was just uh, an incredible footballer, you know. And you you will always remember them in Bobby Charlton's lashing them in from 20, 30 yards out. And the great players, um the great players recognized his Beckenbauer recognized the ability, Pele recognized the ability, Eusebio in 66 recognized what he was. And um you know, they, 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 the, the, the tributes have come thick and fast, and quite rightly. Mm. Uh, I think Gary Lineker said he was the best English player. I'm not too sure that it was Gary who said that this week. As I say, that's open for debate. Everyone will have their own opinion, but he, he would be in my all time English 11. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Uh, that's Bobby Charlton. A fine tribute, Jonathan, from you there. And uh, our thoughts, of course, are with the family. And uh, thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.